0: Welcome to The Sonic Cloth. This is your boy, Jamil, and we are continuing to experiment with formats on this podcast. So I'm, I'm going to be doing something I've, I've really been wanting to do um, since even before this, this project was formed. Um, I, I'm wanting to more or less release myself from the responsibility of, of guiding you down a particular musical rabbit hole. You know, I'm, I'm basically calling in sick for my shift today. And I'm going to be handing the reins over to an actual musician, an actual artist, so that they can uh, you know, share the music that has influenced them, uh, music that's been meaningful to them or or informed their sound even. So today I am uh, very grateful to have Toronto based experimental guitarist, artist, uh, DIY label owner, uh, Chandan uh, Narayan. Thanks a lot for coming on the show, Chandan. Uh, how you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. I definitely appreciate appreciate your time. Um, so uh, your your primary musical project is uh, Karam, who Correct. recently released a compilation of two EPs, um, kind of released on a single release, um, the first of which, Prehistories, came out in uh, 2018. Yeah. And then Alter Destinies is the one from this year, uh, came out in what? This earlier this summer,
1: yeah, like April, May, around there, yeah.
0: Cool. And so the mission of this episode, when you know, when we were talking, was that I had asked you if you would put together a playlist of tracks that influenced the the, the Karam sound um, up until this point. So um, you know, kind of uh, targeting the material from this uh, you know compilation that came out this year, um, which you can also find at uh, Karam Board dot bandcamp.com so that's c-a-r-r-o-m-b-o-a-r-d dot bandcamp.com um, before we get into these tracks though I-, I wanted to to pick your brain and ask you about uh, you know your lineage as a musician your initial interest in music um, how did things sort of lead to this particular musical project well wow, it's It's a big question. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's almost like a life story. Yeah. You know, so,
1: you know, I grew up in the 80s listening to a lot of, um, you know, music that was really in the air when I was in junior high in the San Francisco Bay Area was heavy metal. And um, I really got into music listening to Bay Area thrash metal. For you know the f- the first part of high school, um, then I got into punk rock. I had a I have an older cousin who kind of um, groomed me with music. Um, I really got heavy into California punk rock, and and it, it's kind of sad that I was really provincial um, at such a young age. I I you know, really focused my listening on music coming from California. And um, that led to a particular label um, that I've just got obsessive over, which is SST Records. Um, and I collected every every release that I could find um, on SST that I could find at Streetlight Records in San Jose. Um, And that really shaped how I listened to music um, and the types of things that kind of I valued um, in a band. And in a way, it was kind of um, fortunate because that label, uh, some of the bands that we're going to be listening to today, I think, um, are on that label that it. It's really like a wide spectrum of style. So it's not really like one genre that you could, you know, pigeonhole as the SST sound, but um, it was really diverse. And so that, that kind of, um, that, that really shaped how I started thinking about music um, subsequent to high school. I, you know, in high school, I played in bands you know, just you know cover bands we'd do some do some uh do some of our own things. I was playing bass, I played bass for a long time. that was my main instrument um up until actually pretty recently so um I started thinking like a bass player listening to bass lines, and you know there were bass players that I liked a lot and um would check out all the time um Mike Watt from a band called Firehose um, and Minuteman I used to see them all the time Um, that you know if you know when I think about that um, it was really it changed my life because I still listen to that music um, you know and I I really hold it dear to my heart
0: the metal stuff, not so much. No,
1: not so much. Not so much. <laughs> um, and then, you know, when I got to college, you know, again, my tastes kind of diversified even more. But still, played in punk bands. I, I played in a band called Strawman, um, which is which was a band in San Francisco. Um, kind of a. It was already a kind of established, you know, punk band at that time. All the dudes were in their 30s, and I was 19 years old. And, um, you know, we we toured Europe, which was pretty rad at the time, you know, in 1994. Um, And, you know, it was really, um, again, it it, uh, shaped how I thought about music, how I thought about the world, um, and how those things go together. Um, but then after that band, I was, you know, I played in some other, you know, what could be called post-punk sounding bands. Um, again, um, really kind of pushing, pushing myself in terms of not limiting it to a style, but, you know, ultimately, you know, you know, based on these tracks that you're going to hear today, it's, it's going to sound, there's, there's kind of a sound that's, that's beginning to form in my head of what what I think I value in a band, say. Mm -hmm. Um, Then, you know, after that, I moved to... um, Oh, so I should say that, you know, when I was still in college, I I started getting into a lot more uh, experimental music, um, avant-garde music uh, music without you know any real um, kind of a dogmatic sound any type of technique or any you know um, structure for lack of a better word um, and so I I really wanted to challenge myself in the listening domain try to decouple myself from from structure so um, I was really into that for a long time and um, played with people in a improvised setting um, playing double bass Um, and then when I moved to Michigan in the early 2000s I played in a group where I was playing the auto harp um, but in a very kind of prepared fashion so not Mm -hmm. not any notes per se, but more, you know, sounds. You know, like what happens if I rub a rock on this instrument, or if I drag yeah. a, you know, a um, piece of string that's been coated in resin across right. the across this instrument. What types of sounds could I could I produce? Um, so I was doing that for a long time. I was I was pretty deeply involved in that scene. Um, for about ten years, uh, I had a small label. I put out um, some records, most notably by a guitar player named uh, Tetsuji, Tetsuji Akiyama from Japan. Uh, he's kind of a big name in that scene. Um, you know, it, it was it was great um, to cultivate kind of a community of like minded people who were you know always pushing their own limits with respect to how they you know took in the oral world um that was great but um after a while i really wanted to get back to rock music which is you know it's there there's something about about the camaraderie that you get being in a band with other people making kind of loud guitar rock that, that, that's really, um, you know, it was, it, it was what I, I crave and it, and it, and it kind of made me, um, I really missed it. And so, uh, uh, when I moved out here to Toronto, um, you know, once you're in your forties, it's really hard to be in a band to meet people to play in a band especially if you're if you're new to a place you know like i've it's hard to meet to meet people you know like when i was 18 there were you know there was a dude who you know lived in my dorm at college or you know there'll be friends of friends but now your friend friends are getting fewer and further between, and so how do you find like minded people to play music with so when I started carom it was it was more of just like me um coming up with riffs um on the guitar, and I didn't have a band, um but I had some good friends in Michigan who um I knew were you know great musicians they you know they were also in bands in Michigan but um I got them together and I would what I did was I wrote all these songs and I would send them copies of my you know demos of just me playing guitar and um, I uh, booked some recording time and and you know I would drive down there and I'd book a studio and um, we would meet at the studio I'd teach them the, the song and um we'd record it and that's what that's what we did for these two eps um it's kind of like a you know it's it's kind of it's kind of unfortunate that it's not like a you know like a slow roasting slow cooking you know approach to a song but rather it's this oh it's this thing i have in my head it's kind of like a older way of like oh I'm going to hire these session musicians to to you know lay down tracks in the studio which is kind of what we did we just went there and I just you know for the first two hours in the studio I'd be teaching them how to how to play the song and then then the you know the dude would hit record and then we'd record and if I liked it that's that's it you know so um, <laughs> that's the that's the big part yeah you, like to, that's exactly. gotta
0: be maybe the nerve wracking part about it
1: kind of because like sometimes you know like you have an idea of what it should sound like and then the drummer dude would, would you know chad who who you know he might have some other kind of stylistic flourish that he might do that's just his natural thing um, which you know maybe something i didn't think of before um, and so now I have to readjust how I think about mm-hmm. the song. Um, yeah.
0: you weren't four guys jamming. No, out, no, know, A no. few times a week, and then no, the studio time it wasn't. It like wasn't like
1: you know, yeah, you know, get a six pack of beer or whatever, and then go to somebody's basement or garage and play for a while. No, it wasn't like that. Which, yeah. which you know, is too bad, but you know, it's just it is what it is. <laughs> Sure. So.
0: Well, I I was gonna ask like, do you think there's? I was thinking about when you were talking about your arc, you know, from you know metal to punk rock, SST stuff to, um, per, you know, prepared playing and like you know techniques of the avant-garde and whatnot, and then you know back to rock and roll. Like, I I feel like. No, you have to go through rock and roll before you get to like the avant garde stuff. Like, yeah, totally. Did you ever, did you, did you ever meet anyone I who tot- just like went straight to the avant? No, stuff, but...
1: y- you know that's a really good question because everybody who I played with had kind of a similar trajectory. I mean, there are music school people who who arrive at it after going to music school, which um, you know is fine. Um, but yeah, I think I think the natural. I mean in the wet, I mean, in, in, um, North America, that is, I find that that was, that's the case. Um, European musicians I played with are generally more of the classical music to, um, avant-garde kind of trajectory. But, you know, every, every person I played with here, um, in North America had a similar kind of, Oh, like, you know, we have the same kind of, um, Landmarks in our musical history, generally speaking, um,
0: yeah. I think that's maybe why a lot of avant-garde like music, especially coming out these days, is like rooted in DIY. It's not just because this music is uh, instinctively not, not going to appeal to a mass exactly audience. that's right yeah. audience. Yeah, totally. Not only that, but like these people came out of punk rock. You know, it's yeah. possible they they took sort of whatever ideals are. Within punk rock, good good and bad. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in, into these uh these more experimental sort of maybe even freeing mm-hmm. sort of tech you know, styles of playing.
1: Totally. I mean I mean, yeah. Nobody was going to pay us to put out a record, so you know, just do it yourself, gather funds, you know, um give it away, right? So, you know, like the punk bands you know seven inches that I would put out you know that our bands would put out we would you know mostly were given away to other punk bands who were you know likewise had seven inches and we'd trade mm-hmm. so it's, just, it's a similar type of thing there was this you know so much of this enterprise is not an enterprise but kind of a um a exercise in um losing money for the sake of you know really tr- like getting some sort of emotional mm-hmm. satisfaction in in doing this kind of music you know
0: i mean it's like really unfortunate because it's, it's almost as if you have to pay money by virtue of losing money I mean, in totally. order to like get, get this out yeah, totally but like <laughs> so what, uh,
1: again it's like a north american model though because yeah. like i've i've met people in europe you know like who have you know there's a dude in um switzerland jason khan who who comes from S- actually he was on an sst um, he was in an sst band um, nice. which one um universal congress of with joe biza from saccharine trust oh, um, cool. Yeah, he moved to Switzerland like um, probably 25 years ago, and you know he he makes a living doing you know experimental avant-garde music, sponsored by the government. You know the government. Yeah, from will, grant. Grant's, yeah, the right. government sends him yeah. on tour. You know it's it's fucking awesome. You know. Yeah, <laughs> um,
0: yeah but that sort of prioritization of the arts is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, like unimaginable. Yeah, in the front, if you like, don't have US wars or, to you know. pay
1: for or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. right.
0: Um, I mean, it's as an American, I mean, you know, we're both we're both, you know, American as well. But like it, it's 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 more realistic from a Canadian sort of perspective of somebody who is familiar with that and does not view that as like uh you know a a waste of money or view it in like these pure economic sort of nationalistic terms that is
1: true yeah i I mean yeah so if i were in a band band here you know there there are there are there are many more resources available here through the canada council for the arts and more local um funding organizations that help artists um
0: so i mean are you saying like karen wouldn't qualify as this
1: um I am just, I have just now become a permanent resident. So I, oh, I um, got you. so yeah, I probably could, but, um, you know, yeah, I probably could, but, um, I'm not trying to make a living doing this. I know that it's, it's, it's really hard. So right now it's, 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 it's just something fun for me to do. And, um, yeah, it's, just it's, it's, this yeah it's not it's it's not something that i um you know have to pay the bills with yeah
0: yeah yeah i I get you i well like you know i've been listening to the to the record for at least a couple months now and i I bought the the prehistories tape like um i think sometime in maybe 2018 or 2019 Mm -hmm. and i i really love both eps a lot um I, I, you know, just, just my own comments on it. Like, I, I, f- I find them to be very addictive. <laughs> like, um, I get, I get these guitar lines stuck in my head mm-hmm. like a lot. And uh, overall, I think it's a, it's a great distillation of a lot of the sounds that uh, I love. Um, and and it, but it sounds like there's a very personal touch, which I think can be hard to come through for music that is mostly instrumental. You know, sometimes. Um, and and, and I, maybe what I'm alluding to here is, is your cultural background and, and how that informs, drives the music. Because there's a mention on your band camp about um, uh, fantastical events on the subcontinent of the Near East. I might be m- misquoting that. yeah and then, and then there's also mention of these uh, you know, 1960s Indian and Pakistani electric guitar bands, none of which I had heard of. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a big blind spot for me. <laughs> um, as as well as like you know the aesthetic the artwork yeah um i I can only guess is derived from you know southeast asian history or lore so like another big question like how how does that tie together yeah so you know i'm
1: you know my family's from india um and so i have you know my my you know we'd go to india every other year when i was a kid to see my grandparents and they would come to California the off years and so you know my it was very present this you know the cultural baggage of India and especially South India where my family's from Um, and so that that that's been a huge influence you know it's 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 always on my mind Um, and this proj project is is very much kind of trying to reconcile those two things but in in a way that i don't want to take too seriously um so um you know i my outside of music i'm a linguist i'm a professor of linguistics so i i uh I'm very attuned to language stuff in general, and i've 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 been fascinated for a long time with the uh prehistory of South Asia subcontinent um, and its language, its culture and i i I wanted to kind of bring that out in my music in some way which is a which is a bizarre bizarre thing to to kind of draw um, connections with um so a lot of the way i i envisioned this project was kind of kind of like a concept you know like you know bands in the 70s had like these concept albums you know kind of blue oyster cult Kind of weird symbology um, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if you're familiar with all that stuff, but like you know a lot of that prog stuff or that early metal stuff had had kind of weird um, weird stuff associated with it, um, and I kind of wanted to do something similar but um, but have are, are you
0: talking it, about like a specific like uh like almost fantasy kind of like kind of the reference yeah more esoteric as well yeah exactly
1: exactly so 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 you know i i kind of envisioned this project as 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 being a um kind of a musical representation of really kind of bizarre fucked up stories about about the prehistory of the east in general you know so like um just you know if you think about you know like weird things that definitely did not happen what if they did happen what would it sound like you know like if 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 there were some you know priests in assyria who were you know Doing peyote and they were talk, talking to dolphins. What would that sound like? You know, like so. so it, it's it sounds dumb articulating it right now, but um, it's it's kind of a gel that I'm using to 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 inspire these these songs. Not that the songs themselves or the scales or anything or the chord progressions or anything have anything to do with any of that but um i like to think that they do um and i and i overtly um pepper the music with with some of that with Mm. some of the actual sounds of of south asia the near east um the silk road whatever you want to call it so i i um so these those two tapes um you know they have lots of samples of you know sounds from india sounds from um 78 rpm records which i collect i collect a lot of indian 78s um usually recorded pre pre pre-1950s um so i so i have some samples on the last tape um it starts off with a Song um, that comes from a recording made in the 1920s by a man named Grierson, who who compiled the Linguistic Survey of India. It's this monumental, I don't know, 20-volume like work published in the early 20th century. But he also recorded people uh, um, on 78 shellac, and so one of the recordings that. He made was of this um, community of people called the Todas, who live in the Nilgiri Mountains in South India, and you know they're they're very few of these people. They're you know less than 10,000, I'm sure, people. And um, that that tape begins with a with a song um, sung in that language, and so I, th- I thought that was pretty pretty cool. And then I kind of organized a song kind of based on um a creation myth from from the toda people um now if you just listen to the song you won't know that you know but that's kind of what i was what i was going for um yeah
0: yeah if you don't have the context yeah you know i i didn't then you you can you can imagine all kinds of uh right things but i you know i i i I think i understand what you're saying in terms of like giving yourself some sort of like universe or small worlds to operate the music yeah and you don't know it's like chicken or the egg you don't know if this riff is being written with that in mind or if it like applies thereafter yeah it's um, yeah
1: it's 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 you know i'll be honest it's 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 a post-hoc thing like it's kind of after after the fact um you know because the songs themselves are you know they're all riff based, but like the problem with having instrumental music is that it gets boring after a while so like i I like switch up my riffs pretty 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 often, and mm-hmm. so the way the songs come together is like i'll you know have have a riff and then I'll sit on that for a week, and I'll okay, where's this going to go and I' have another riff, and then so it usually goes and like you know like a song will be like five or six riffs without ever going back to the first riffs or so so it's the 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 tunes themselves are are experimental in that way like they're not classic classically organized yeah. rock songs sure. um yeah. and so i need as much stuff not that not that the riffs themselves aren't good enough for you know to stand on their own but like i i tend to get bored quickly and so i i like to infuse it with whatever i can whether it be like you know these samples or field recordings or you know something um along with the mythology that i have in my head about it
0: yeah yeah no I, i i hear you and, you know, I'm like, I'm out here in Arizona. Um, I'm not sure, have you ever been out, like, this way, Sonoran Desert, southwestern yeah. part of the U.S.? Mm-hmm. I have. Uh, yep, 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 Um, Yeah, especially if you, if you said you toured. Did you ever tour, tour through the Um,
1: I, de- I never came. We'd, the punk bands that I was in, which, except for Europe, was was a strictly West Coast, mm-hmm. so up and down the West Coast. Right, um, Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, like the the point I'm getting at is like there, you know, there's several tracks of yours that mm-hmm. you know, as I'm listening to them, um, I can't help but think like this is this is like it sounds to be like an Arizona sound. Yeah,
1: I, m- I mean, if you yeah, so yeah, there's actually, um, yeah, the Meat Puppets track is is I, I mean like yeah. so like these the cover ba- of course yeah um, the the bands I, m- I mean some of these tracks too I think they they're really um, I think those bands that I, that I picked really kind of comparably create, you know, mythical, um, environments in their songs, you know, um, Mm -hmm. whether it be like of their own making or whether it be like drug induced, you know, I don't know. Um, but, but like, I, I think that's what attracted me to, to these tracks and, um, what i feel like really informed the carom the Karam tracks too um, yeah yeah like the um, meat puppets like not... if you're out in the desert like if you're out in the desert doing drugs like these dudes were doing in the yes. 80s you, you know because it's so fucking hot um yeah. you're going to imagine a place where you're going to see like these you know oases of you know pools of water and you're going to imagine swimming in them because it's so hot and that's all you're thinking about right you know
0: there's a lot of desperation yeah to to a city like phoenix you know it's 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 a blisteringly hot and and bizarre um uh, like concrete yeah like infested place yeah and um you know i just just listening to your music and and You know, again, I'm I'm falling into a trap of like thinking too locally, like you mentioned before. But um, you know, it it it, I think people in general, especially like you know, who are familiar with punk rock, like glazed over the fact that in the context of underground music, Arizona like had a characterized and realized sound. Mm -hmm. Um, And bands like the Meat Puppets, Sun City Girls, you know, Placebo Records stuff, Slope Records, Mm -hmm. '80s Phoenix DIY, basically, Mm -hmm. like this sort of woozy kind of desert sound. I don't know. It's, it's, it's difficult to describe because these, these bands are not like carbon copies of one another totally. at all. Yeah. I mean, it's but it's like, you know, part punk rock, SST stuff, part, you know, psychedelic music, country rock. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, w- I was just wondering if maybe this particular region or, or, or those bands, um, uh, you know, if I mean, I, I think it goes without saying that they are their influences in your music. Um, and I think it's like a, a. I think of some of the tracks, a couple of the tracks. It's like a desert sound, but perhaps mm-hmm. is, is is South India like a desert as well?
1: No, it's like a jungle. Oh, okay, um, so got, but 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 I like but like title. but like still super hot, you know? Yeah. Um, very humid. Um, you know the kind of visual landscape of of the Southwest is kind of the the um kind of not the negative image but like the opposite of what you might you know they're both extremes so Mm -hmm. so you know they're they're both extremes so you know the southwest you can imagine desert dry you know these crazy land formations and stuff i mean south india is is um crazy hot crazy humid um you know green like lush Mm -hmm. lush greenery um dripping sweat you know like the really vibrant colors um so they're on the same scale but probably opposite you know opposite ends um sure yeah yeah i never really thought of it but
0: Again, you know, yeah. I might be my mind. Yeah. Is, tends to draw connections where they where they, yeah, they yeah. might not be there, yeah. or it's just coincidental. Yeah. Um, I, I noticed that the, the the latest EP Alter Destinies, um, was also had a secondary like label that released it, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Radio uh, Chiaban Chiaban Chiaban. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. Actually, okay. there's uh, that's another, um. Arizona connection. Yeah, I was the dude just say. the dude who runs that um is was yeah. in a band yeah it was in a band called mirrors i think
0: the mirrors yeah yeah yeah, yeah. with a y yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah yeah um who i'd never heard of before um i'd heard of a group called mirror which was a, a german i think they were german um kind of avant-garde soundscape type band but um yeah he just out of the blue like couple like last year or something a year before that i think asked me if he could put out this tape and um i said sure but i i also had the idea of 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 having both of them on a record you know i'm i'm Mm -hmm. I'm a um i like i like the medium uh of records even though they're a fucking pain in the ass um i like the medium a lot and so um it's both yeah
0: and that's that's how i discovered okay Kerem, actually okay because i was i was so into those two uh uh no joana by dar tapes um which is nick's current project Correct. um so yeah i was wondering what what that what that connection yeah. was yeah so
1: so you know i th- i think he's likewise you know interested in um doing music that has a you know that that is not focused but like has some connection to to this you know global south or whatever you want to call it but but kind of more more in um the subcontinent of Asia um so he's so I I think we share a similar kind of aesthetic in that regard um and I've yeah so I'm going to be putting out some more stuff I think um not not of my stuff but um there's a guy um there's a song that we're going to hear by by a band called 75 Five Dollar bill um and i'll be putting out um seven inch by the guitar player from that band Che chen um, yeah so
0: amazing musician
1: yeah 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 yeah
0: that's awesome yeah um yeah, yeah, I, 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 I think I do see that that connection as well between um, Nick's news project, yeah, and and your stuff. And I think even if I'm like, if I'm recalling sort of like liner notes correctly, like he's sort of uh, reimagining some kind of like psychedelic incidents that occurred in like you know Kabul. Oh, really? Okay. Old, like old '60s, '70s Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Kind of thing.
1: I know he samples a lot of like tapes and stuff and um which is, you know, I mean I, I'm not sure of his ethnic background. I th- I think maybe he he's part Afghani. Um, I think it's his father. Okay, is what yeah. I heard. Um but like, you know, I don't know what yours is, uh but gathering maybe you're a child of an immigrant some Yeah, yeah. Right? Palest- Palestinian Okay, first yeah. Generation. So, yeah. um like, you know, like First, I don't know if we're first generation or second generation. What, 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 I, don't, yeah. I don't know what number it is, but like we all kind of have some sort of a um, kind of an unwritten, unacknowledged connection, I think, and I and and um, and a lot of that is kind of this not so much passing knowledge of our ethnic. Heritage our ancestors but but it's 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 very tangible um how much we let it enter into our own lives I think is highly variable. some people go mm-hmm. full on like you know like like they're not whatever American or californian at 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 any level, but they've completely adopted a kind of a imagined past um mm-hmm. and s- some people are like me where it says oh kind of I dabble, you know, it's, um, (laughs) um, it's still, it's still very important to me, but it's, it's not a defining aspect of my personality. Um, and then there's other people who like completely shun it. Right. Um, sure. So, um, I think, I think that's an interesting, this middle ground is kind of an interesting space to navigate, especially for artists, you know, um, how they choose to incorporate it because it can very easily become become a crutch um or it could be like you know oh he's the indian dude right <laughs> or whatever right and and which is fine you know I've, I've always been the indian dude at the punk show or whatever <laughs> right. um you know i it's it's not a, i don't have a chip on my shoulder or anything but like i don't necessarily want that to be to be the defining thing so that's why I I kind of make this project it it like speaks to to that connection that I have with my ancestors or even my parents right but but um it's I kind of want it to be not so serious and want it to be you know like Kind of chill, and not yeah. Well, the, you know, there's
0: oh, generally and like there's this. I feel like there's a weird expectation that if somebody is channeling, yeah, sounds, aesthetics from like their their heritage, that it aut- automatically gets like becomes this in- incredibly serious. Uh, engulfed in mm-hmm. oppression and and, and, yeah. in, and all of the conflicts, right? Like, right? Like, it's just an assumption that it's it's some kind of like uh, I'm, I'm having some kind of like existential crisis about who right. I am, right? And I need, and I need to be like working it out or right. something like that, right?
1: And 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 for sure, I know people like that, you know, who yeah. who who are that's a,
0: va- that's a valid response. Yeah, yeah, right?
1: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, you know, I, it's. I think a lot of it also has to do with the nature of when you were when you were growing up in wherever you're from, and also what kind of the what the what exposure you had to the diaspora and where you know because when I was growing up, sure the Bay Area now is like full of Indian people, um, but like when I was growing up, it was not the case. And um, it was very much, you know, like I was cognizant of it. I respected it. But, you know, outside of the home, there was this, you know, I had, you know, I had friends who were Filipino, who were Japanese, who were Egyptian, who were, you know, like we were all kind of this melange. You know, I wasn't yeah. hanging out with only, you know, Indian dudes or sure. Um, so it's
0: almost like a a larger diaspora of like the the east exactly
1: exactly yeah. and um i think that was it was very um it's kind of a beautiful thing because it allowed me to allowed a lot of people to to um pick and choose those those parts of their their history their heritage their ancestry that that they that they wanted to amplify you know and it didn't become you know the the sole uh resource that they had to make up their art or their personality that makes sense kind
2: of? yeah, yeah yeah it
0: does yeah. It's, it's almost like the concept of like tokenization yeah which like it seems new right because it's part of like the lingo the lexicon yeah yeah but it's like this is this is always this has always existed and it's always been like uh, a, a way in which people can wield identity or take advantage of others. Yeah. Identities,
1: like like know. this, this came up recently when, you know, um, you know, Eddie Van Halen died. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, people were like, oh, dude, I, did, I had no idea he, you know, his, you know, especially like Asian people were like, I had no idea he was half half Asian. Um, this was, you know, hidden from us. You know, we had our, you know, we have our own guitar hero and Eddie Van. I was like, you know, dude, he, he's he's Eddie Van Halen. I I don't know why, you know, it, it was never hidden. You know, I knew the fact. I knew that his mom was Indonesian, and it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's but it, it wasn't like the. He didn't need to. Um, champion that to to make him any better or make him any more likable or anything like that and you know it, it 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 really forced me to think about um kind of ethnicity and how it plays out in a especially in a context of like California you know um and art being produced in California what you know what that what that means um i don't know i was just i was just thinking out loud about it um, I know, and, I know what you mean. Yeah.
0: I, I can understand the power of you know wanting your hero to look look something like you, especially when it's not the the dominant, you know. Thing. Yeah, but yeah, but I, I I think people could get tangled up in like you know when people are saying it was you know hidden like intentionally. Yeah, you know, like or he or, was hiding. He was hiding it. No, no,
1: like uh, that the uh, record labels were hiding it. Oh, you know? okay,
0: yeah. So some sort of like. Uh, You know, racist, uh, right? But then, sort of like safety net thing,
1: right? But you know, my my thoughts were like, you know, there's especially in like guitar rock, I found that whole scene to be very non. I mean, non judgmental is a wrong word, but like diverse, um, inclusive. You know, like a lot of you know, especially in California, there was a lot of Asian um dudes mostly dudes in Mm -hmm. in in this music you know like you know kirk hammett this you know filipino you know death angel from daily city you know all filipino um Mm you know there you know there were these bands and 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 these uh musicians who who were asian who again it wasn't their a, a defining thing about their art but um I don't know, with the, with the Van Halen thing, I, I was like, ah, you know, it, maybe because I knew already that I wasn't surprised or wasn't like, I wasn't um, offended by the fact that, you know, other people didn't know, or I just didn't know what it meant to know, what, what it affords you to know, or, yeah. you know, so.
0: Well, it's applying that, yeah. that that line of thinking to somebody who's like a God, God status, right? right, right like right. the rock world. Right. Right. So. Right. <laughs> That's right. interesting. Well, um, I, 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 also wanted to mention, um, the, that the proceeds of the digital version of this latest comp, I don't know, do you call it a comp or is that, we, we, a we're comp, it weird? It's a comp. It's a comp. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the two EPs, um, you know, goes to the Scarborough food security initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us maybe a little bit more about it? It's a food house? bank it's just a local yeah. food
1: bank. Um cool. so this this the record came out like right when the um covid uh lockdown started happening and that really affected poor people um disproportionately in Toronto and I'm sure everywhere else. Um and so uh I feel like it's kind of You know, whatever I can do, whatever I can give, it's, it's something foods, you know, I wanted to kind of depoliticize it. You know, there's lots of really great initiatives that are less kind of just transparent, like feeding, feeding people seems, seems like the most like easiest and the, and the best thing to do.
0: So. Yeah, and and I remember when I li- when I was in Toronto, like it's it fair to say Scarborough's an underserved. It is, sort of. It is. Uh, city just right, right outside Toronto. It is. It is.
1: It, is. it is. You know, like all all cities, all, all metropolitan areas have like their, you know, like the part of town that people make fun of. You know, Scarborough is. You know, where I live is where it, like the people in Toronto. You know, just today somebody you know called it scarberia and you know there's all these kind of pejorative little terms yeah. about it so you know poor poor people live here mostly immigrants who um got priced out of toronto move yeah. you know moved to this part of town so
0: cool yeah well um is is there anything else you'd like to mention before we hop into these tracks um about Garam or um anything i glossed over
1: no we covered like kind of the Kind of the ridiculous mythology <laughs> stuff um, <laughs> covered, like language stuff. Um, no, it's it's you know, I, th- I think we did it.
0: Well, I would I would definitely recommend if anyone is is wanting to pick up uh, the record, the physical format, like opt for the for the option where you get. Those, those glossy like cards. Oh, cool. Yeah. For the, with the artwork. Did so I send that to are, you? Yeah. Awesome, yeah. I, think, awesome, well, awesome. I, think I I think I, yeah. Yeah. And I really like them a lot. Um, so really those really were,
1: those them. were, um, those are collages made from, so like, again, the Indus Valley civilization is this kind of really mysterious unknown. And, you know, pe- people know about, it, of course, but like what language they spoke, we don't know. Um, the civilization kind of disappeared um, at some point there's like no record after a certain point you know the history of south asia is very complex and controversial because there's now lots of nationalism in india there where Mm -hmm. they you know they you know they tend to poo-poo or you know counter um, western academic narratives about about these places, which, you know, is, is fine to do. But, like, the way I un- understand it, you know, groups of Indic, uh, Indo-Aryan speakers, you know, come south from the Russian steppes into South Asia at some point, and the this, this civilization, the Indus Valley civilization disappears. Anyway, um, there was a special issue of National Geographic on oh, the late, 90s or something dedicated to the Indus Valley and the artifacts of the Indus Valley and, and the people that live there now. And so anyway, I, I got two copies of this National Geographic and I sent it to my friend Lee Henderson, who is a um, collage artist in Victoria, British Columbia. And he, he made these collages out of, out of the images from, from those magazines
0: oh that's right yeah, it's, yeah it's they came cool. they came out great yeah yeah. and it, and it, now that you mentioned like the 70s sort of like prog concept albums like i i, I kind of am putting that together yeah. like that, that does look like an album cover that could have came live out live at
1: pompeii me? dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah there you go yeah. yeah
0: live at pompeii exactly actually like crazy thing about that um it was uh for my other job that i do um I work with uh, this author, Miko Pellet. He's like, um, he's an Israeli-American author who's like uh, often speaking out against like, uh, uh, you know, the, the occupation of the Palestinian mm-hmm. people and all that stuff. We were, did a, I did a webinar just like three or four days ago with Roger Waters. Oh, wow. <laughs> so like, I've been fucking starstruck ever since that happened. Oh, oh wow. And it, it had nothing to do with music. Uh-huh. I mean, all I, you know what I mean? Like, cause he's, he's super like, human rights yeah, like yeah. A- a- activists yeah. very out- we were very yeah. very outspoken yeah he'll do sh- he'll do shit like during a, a really epic part of like a, a an old pink floyd song he'll fly like a giant thing <laughs> in the background uh-huh. and just like alienate uh-huh. like so uh-huh. many uh-huh. people uh-huh. or just confuse yeah, them they're yeah. like what flag what flag yeah, is that yeah. what yeah 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 so i don't know i'm just, i don't know why i'm saying this i just i'm yeah. still writing on that high of meeting him. very very nice man like Nice, sweet guy, but yeah, all I wanted to do was like talk to him about like shit, like live at Pompeii, yeah. and, like, echoes and stuff.
1: <laughs> I mean, like if if like Eddie Van Halen at like the height of 1984, Van Halen, um, you know, like playing Oakland Coliseum or whatever, like you know, flew an Indonesian flag during the set and <laughs> fucked with all the Heshers in the crowd, you know, who had yeah. no idea that that would have been pretty pretty awesome i think um so yes yeah. i'm i'm, I'm yeah, I mean, slowly he can, rethinking this
0: <laughs> he, he, he when he's you know eddie van halen's probably uh you know somewhat self-aware about you know van halen fans there's yeah. going to be some segment of oh van yeah van oh yeah totally. just absolute meatheads totally
1: like. totally <laughs> but like you know there were yeah absolute meatheads i'm sure at you know minute men shows oh, or you of know course. <laughs> yeah uh, of so.
0: course and, and sun city girls yeah I yeah mean, there were. of course and, and, yeah and that band really took it upon themselves to yeah they're like really oh, totally, with totally, people. totally totally yeah <laughs> okay i think we are ready to get into uh your your track list uh, I've, I've listened to these tracks several times some of the stuff i was familiar with a lot of the stuff you stumped me completely but uh you know this first track here is by band pell um, the song is called ether. This is off of their 1995 album interstate. And, uh, I had always heard the name pell but I, I never dove into their stuff for whatever reason. So I, I'm largely unaware of the band, but you know, you know, my take on this is like this kind of looping repetitive nineties guitar stuff. That's like in my lane hundred <laughs> percent. That's great. You know, it reminds me of like maybe something like that could have been like early on in cranky records. Um, there's like that, that extended portion of the song that sounds like kraut rock, but like slowed mm-hmm, down a lot. Mm-hmm. And things get kind of like cosmic and uh, right. un, unexpected, like rhythmically especially. But um, yeah, w- 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 why is Pell-Mell important, important to you?
1: Um, Yeah, they were, so Pell-Mell, they were an SST band again early on. Um, but but they were again so different from all the other sounds on that label and this i mean i, I could have picked any any pell-mell song to be to be honest um but this record came out when i was in college and i remember like being really stoked to get it and um this track especially was was, was you know it's, it just has everything that i want from a instrumental band so you know i kind of um I wanted Caram to be kind of a Pell-mell type band. Um just because it, it, it their songs are so well crafted, um simple, um beautifully recorded. So I mean on on all those counts I'm failing. <laughs> but um um yeah, everything about Pell-mell is is great. It's 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 great driving music you know which I think is a you know testament to their staying power you know people still talk about pell Um I saw them once in San Francisco when this record came out um, and you know I it's it, it's really too bad that 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 they're not a band anymore. I mean no it's not too bad because bands should end but um, you know the, they were a great band I'm I, I, I just Nothing Nothing more to say. Steve Fisk, fantastic uh, producer, um, synth player, um, has a great solo record on SST. He did like Unwound Records, I think. Um, Nirvana, maybe, I'm not sure. Bob Bierman, drummer, is a graphic designer. So all the Pellmell records are really beautiful graphic design. Um, Greg Freeman, great bass player, San Francisco again studio studio guy so like the sound was really really well well honed because they're all you know gear heads in some some regard. so they know the craft of recording really well Um, yeah that's why i picked it
0: yeah and you know they're the first of uh, at least a few sst bands on this yeah this list and i think one thing if you don't know sst records or maybe you have presumptions about it is that it's like strictly this hardcore label. And it's like, <laughs> once you start diving into the catalog, besides maybe those, the big releases, yeah. you know, that everyone knows you start, you start to really pull out, pull out how, um, you know, artistically diverse this label yeah. was. And there was really no rule book in, ter- in terms of who, the types of artists they were interested right. in. So long as they kind of owned their own sound. Exactly.
1: exactly. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, it, it it's, Every, every genre of kind of American rock, I would say, um, is represented there. And, and, you know, Pell-Mell, like, you know, they, they, yeah, it, 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 it must have been, a you know, really cool slash strange show to see a, you know, Pell-Mell Minutemen gig, you know, they're, they're very different in their sound, but, um, I think they. I think the band complements all the other bands on SST. It's very good.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think. I mean, like I was reading about this band, and I kept seeing like, oh, you know, early, very early post-rock band, mm-hmm. and that kind of like kept seeing the that phrase over yeah. and over and over. And I, I can understand like now. Yeah. Given what what that phrase is, yeah. <laughs> that term has become so. A, a really lazy way to yeah, apply yeah, like yeah. something to music. Yeah,
1: it's 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 kind of unfortunate. I mean, yeah, those those terms are, are are unfortunate because, um, it's really hard to nail down what what it actually what it actually means. You know, I, I, I post hardcore, post rock, you know, post indie post-altern i I don't don't know it's it's it's
0: it's like we're we're, we just want something to end so that (laughs) new can come but like sometimes this new thing is really not like yeah innovative yeah yeah either yeah yeah
1: totally (laughs) yeah i I don't know who who came up with that they need to cock punch
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're probably just you know some dollar yeah. bills in their eyes you know yeah. this is like definitely some marketing shit i would imagine
1: but pell mell like in you know 80s mid 80s like instrumental bands fully instrumental. you know this was before you know like tortoise and stuff you know mm-hmm. um where the genre kind of got or, or or the not having a singer was more and more acceptable um you know there's a lot now but there's no
0: vocals on any of any of them no
1: it's all instrumental okay all instrumental so yeah and they're like i saw them and i was like dude who are these like like nerds (laughs) you know they look like like (laughs) regular dudes up there playing playing guitar in their bedroom you know um um,
0: right and it's not like the regular dudes who are like raging and screaming no, where you're no. like oh this is like pure catharsis exactly like, yeah these guys are brilliant <laughs> you know like it's not like a raw primal thing. right it's it's, right. it's it's more cerebral right yeah I, I i'm very excited to to go down this rabbit hole myself mm-hmm.
1: sadly yeah. like i i don't know if much of their music is if, if you can find it anymore i don't know if they're on like streaming services or not um Maybe the major label stuff, but like the SST stuff definitely not
0: um, oh they were on major
1: yeah so this this record was their Geffen record oh, yeah what? I know wow. I know
0: the, the 90s is so fucking weird I know
1: I, th- I think it was because their manager, like like the guy the guy who was their manager or something um, and who was like a publicist at SST went on to work for a major label and somehow hmm got them on i don't know if
0: and, and definitely sst bands got corded onto major. oh yeah sonic well.
1: youth dinosaur husker Du,
0: so many fire hose mm-hmm. yeah and then get got dropped probably dropped yeah. subsequently yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and you said there was a nirvana connection too i don't know maybe that has something to do with it
1: uh maybe yeah maybe steve fisk yeah yeah
0: Well, um, okay, let's go ahead and listen to this uh, song. This is Pelmel and the track is Ether. So this next track is from Joseph K. The track is called Applebush. You know, I'm not sure if there's multiple versions of this song out there, but I I took the one I listened to is from a comp called Entomology mm-hmm. that was released in 2006. Um, but this is a band that was active in early '80s. Yeah, right?
1: they're like a early '80s Scottish. Um, I don't know if they call them new wave if you want to put a or a post punk whatever you want to you know, but um mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know much about them. Um, I think a lot, a lot of Ameri- I mean, kind of. You know, real record store people know about them, but um, you know, I didn't. I didn't know about them growing you know, as a teenager or anything. When I was in college, I had a friend who um, was like, "Oh, dude, you got to check out this band, Joseph K." And you know, I I, I listened. It wasn't. I, I didn't really, it, it didn't really catch me, whatever I listened to. But then a few years ago, I, I came upon it again, and I, I just went like deep dive and got really into it. Um, you know, the reason why, so this song, Applebush, is, I didn't, I didn't know this till fairly recently, is a cover of an Alice, yeah. of an Alice Cooper song.
0: Um, another Arizona connection Yeah,
1: another Arizona, right, exactly But um, I had, I mean, I had Alice Cooper has never been on my radar I, You know, I just kind of ignored it um, The same way that I ignored like Kiss or something um, But like that first The first Alice Cooper record is kind of like a Psyche sounding uh type record and And this song is on it, but the reason why i like i i I just really like the guitar um progression the chord progression and then kind of the 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 second guitar or whatever that is the lead guitar voicings on it i I just really like the i really like that tune a lot and um Mm -hmm. yeah i I just like it but but there there are other i mean joseph k tunes i could have picked um but this one is is just one that always kind of makes me smile. Um, all these songs that I picked are, are like ones that kind of really make me happy in some way. Where you're like, ah, I'm just that's like, a oh man, this where is you're this just is like, it. That's a fucking song. That's the, right yeah, there. like that that riff yeah. that 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 he <laughs> yeah. plays in this. It's like, oh, it's just it's just, it's simple. It's like three notes or something. But it's it's the phrasing and everything about yeah. it is just really nice.
0: There's something about like you know when you're listening to music and and music that moves you is there's there's something about like a simple song that just is so profound to Mm -hmm. you it just hits hits you differently versus like this you know complex arrangement or this like very very like new sound that you're like wow this is so interesting yep there's just there's just something like i i I categorize these in my head as like that's a damn song yeah right there and you and you 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 don't apply that like it's rare that you apply, I feel like you apply it. You right.
1: Know? And, you know, like I, I was thinking about this the other day because, um, you know, I, I don't go to work anymore on the train um, because of the coronavirus. But, um, you know, for the past, whatever, seven, eight years, I'd be listening to like, like this fucking song. Like this is the fucking song. Every song would be because I'd I'd come I'd make these playlists where every song was this fucking song, you know. And then, um, and so I you that that kind of spoils you in some way, because now I'm at home where I don't have any, you know I you know of course I have some, you know iTunes on a computer, but I don't like listening to music on a computer, so I listen to records and like you know there's a, there's a lot of like fodder on records mm-hmm. you know there might be one one good song that takes me a while to get there but when it when you get there it's like oh it's fantastic you know
0: yeah so that's that's the beautiful thing about you know making tapes yeah. for others and yeah, yeah. You, you can really just create yeah. create those bangers all, all all in one thing yeah so you just like skip the other stuff this is what you need exactly you know even if you never go down a rabbit hole with any of these bands like the fact that you have this song is yeah is enough,
1: yeah yeah you know? totally
0: now this I I really like this a lot. It's you know this jangly, yep. I suppose post punk kind of thing. It's it's like a little bit delicate, but it's like more melodically complex mm-hmm. than stuff like Joy Division. Right? Yeah, like, totally.
1: I mean, I mean, I that's another band I never really I I you know again because I was so provincial at a time when you know that coming of age time you know of your late teens where mm-hmm. I was just like oh it's like oh it's not California. I I I, I don't care for it. Um, but like, if I had, you know, because of of course I had access to Tower Records where all this stuff was there, I could have listened to it. But I just I just never got into Joseph K. or Joy Division or any of these British yeah. bands, you know.
0: Right? Well I you know. I mean, I'm sure even majority of Joy Division fans have no idea Who Joseph K. is, <laughs> you know. So these are already you know right off the bat two two bands that are I'm, I'm sure under underappreciated and soulful. Okay. Um, do you have anything else to, to praise the heap on just No, Kate? you know,
1: I don't know much about them. You know, Scottish, yeah. uh, everything I've read is probably whatever you've read on the internet. Um, you know, uh, Postcard Records, it's kind of like one of those hallowed record labels from Scotland, like, you know, Two Pure Records. I don't know if they're Scottish or. Um, I don't know what those other labels are. Factory Records. Mm, Joy Division. Yeah, um, yeah I, don't, I don't know anything else. I think there's a connection with the band called Orange Juice. I don't, I don't know if you know. Oh, yeah. Or, 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 they're kind of, yeah, kind
0: another of, Scottish yeah, band. Yeah, kind
1: of a dancey kind of band. Um, yeah. That, that That's another thing I like about this band. Is that they, they do have, it, it, it's there is kind of like a pop appeal to it, you know?
0: Oh, yeah, it's big time. It's
1: not all broody and stuff and
0: right um, and this is this is a cover so yeah. i in mean, a you know, melodically they're they're taking from the cover i listened to the original too i would never heard it before and it's good this is this, this, this it is yeah. good i was like this alice cooper yeah, I was I know. expecting like crunchy <laughs> you know, riffs and like you know, know. And, and, and talking about haunted houses yeah and yeah shit exactly like that. but like <laughs> exactly. um so yeah this is this is a really nice song um let's go ahead and listen to Applebush from joseph k next one is by the Meat Puppets. The track is called Swimming Ground. I'm sure we're going to have a lot to say about about this one. You know, for me, like, I, I love this record. This is a go-to kind of summertime album for me. Um, I think I find this, the Meat Puppets, especially on this album, they're very, like, focused, but also, like, very stoned. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and I've heard this album uh, described. I don't know. This might just be bullshit that people say, but I, I don't know. I liked it, like a demented ZZ Top. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I think, and I think I think I know what they're getting at with that because there's like within the Minim or not the minimum the Meat Puppets uh, music. There's a lot of like familiar references to certain styles of '70s rock. I've, I, I I catch, um, but of course it's like all processed through this kind of like filter that is only the meat puppets um it's instantly recognizable Mm -hmm. and and these guys oh they're just such insane musicians like the guitars and the bass lines totally they're almost flashy um but but in this understated way that is always serving the song yeah you know totally this this band is just special you know yeah
1: i mean um again this is like one of those life-changing records for me because it's the, it's not so much the virtuosity of the guitar playing, but it's, it's just how, how it like, Swimming Ground, um, uh, Up on the Sun, the title track, um, uh, they're both like, they just make me feel so good. And, and, and there's, you know, it's like goosebumps. When I, whenever you know, still you know, I f- probably first heard it when I was fifteen or sixteen, and now like, whatever thirty years later, I'm, I'm I'm still, I still feel the same way. Um, they are you know like I, even though I'm from the Bay Area, I've, i I, but I never really listened to the Grateful Dead, and I know that like this is very meet puppets for our big Deadheads, and that this mm. like. I can now that I go back and listen to the dead, I I, I can see that connection. I, I can see like the guitars being this kind of ex, kind of sped up Jerry Garcia riffs, Um yeah. which which totally makes sense. But you know, again with that that special sauce of Arizona, I think that that desert heat, the drugs, um all of that comes out on this. Um But like so so clean and so so precise and i don't know it's it's this i saw them when i was i first saw them when i was in high school they played in santa cruz and i i I drove down to santa cruz and i was so like i wanted to get um it's kurt right the guitar player Kurt yeah i I wanted to get I, i always get them confused i wanted to get his autograph i was so fucking scared I was so scared to ask him <laughs> for his autograph, and I, I I didn't do it, and I still oh. I still regret it. Um,
0: um, Just out of nervousness. I mean, they don't, I was I don't so nervous. This is a band that had like a, a stage presence that was like intimidating. No,
1: anything. but like you know, mm-hmm. I could tell. You know, you know, I mean, compared to like, you know, at that time, the band that I saw the most was Firehose. Compared to like, you know, Mike Watt or somebody who's who is really. Just like the most you know like the warmest personality, especially to yeah. people who come to his shows um, i w- you know this it, it was a bit intimidating like, you know it, he, he wasn't Kirk, Kirkwood was not the most you know he he wasn't hanging out after the show and you know hugging people and stuff so it, yeah. it, it was it was a different vibe, but I, you know I still like had this kind of you know like student teacher type respect student professor respect, you know, that I had. But, um, so, so I, I just kind of chickened out on that.
0: And you were playing guitar at that age. Like I was playing bass. Yeah. Okay. I was playing bass. Yeah. Well, this is, this is an amazing band. Yeah. Study if you're a bass player. I mean, yeah.
1: And, and (laughs) every record is so different. I mean, it's, and, and, you know, I'll be honest, it's really hit or miss. Um, for me, um, like, the like the like the early punk, really punk, punk stuff is fantastic if you can get past some of the, you know, like, how frenetic it is. But then, like, some of the records after Up on the Sun, I don't know, it's really hit or miss for me sometimes. Um, like, the vocals are all over the place. Like, some of the records are like, wow, so they, like, really went out and picked up some, you know drunk at a 711 parking lot and got him to do the vocals <laughs> <laughs> or something you know um which is fine but um this record is great and i love this song so much it's uh, the best
0: yeah yeah absolutely. and and, yeah. and
1: and and i do a we i do a meat puppets cover i do up on the sun but mm-hmm. like totally like I was, this it was this kind of an afterthought. I was like, oh, like uh, let me fuck around with this riff that I don't know how to play, and kind of make it different, kind of have similar progression. So you'll if people want to hear that, they can hear it too.
0: Yes, the um, the 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 tie-in between Meat Puppets and, and Karam is, yeah. is there for people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's like the the doorway right yeah. there. If you're if you're not into Meat Puppets, and um, you know most people's. Knowledge of the meat Puppets, if there is one, is that you know their Nirvana connection and the song or, the songs that were covered on or the that two they were on
1: 90210. Like
0: <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. They were were they like uh, playing like playing at a they bar were playing or at the
1: Peach Pit, I think, on 90210. I, 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 I don't know if you know that show. If you're <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, I remember yeah. So they that. there was like a there was like a hangout bar, not a bar, but like a like a little like soda fountain type. My screen parlor place that they all hung out at, and and when Meat Puppets had a major label record, they had a song, um, kind of like a, it wasn't a hit by any means, but it was played on MTV a lot, and so that's when they, that's when they were on, nine oh two one zero, Jason Priestley, and checking out the Meat Puppets.
0: <laughs> were they actually? Do you think they were actually playing, or was it I
1: don't playing? know. I don't know the history, but I'm I'm sure somebody has like written a. Written an oral history of bands that appeared on 90210.
3: Well,
0: yeah, or just you know TV movies in general, where it's like an an interesting band, not one you would expect. Yeah, you know. Um, I always like the Cannibal Corpse on Ace Ventura. Oh, I uh, I I didn't know that.
1: I did not know that. I didn't (laughs) know that.
0: Apparently, Jim Carrey was a, a huge like a huge fan. Oh, really? of death metal i don't think i don't know about honestly i think he just thought Mm -hmm. he's just a cartoonish guy and it's like this is one of the most cartoonish like forms of music you can listen to so i don't know (laughs) (laughs) all right um so let's uh play uh swimming ground by the meat puppets up we have oh help me and help me out here chandan um Khan bundukan, uh, bundukan bundukan mm-hmm. Ra- is it raj raga raga. Oh, raga raga sarang
1: yep raga sarang um sarang
0: yeah. gotcha yeah the little bit that i looked up uh bundukan a- a 1880 to 1955 uh saran saranji player during the first half of the 20th century what what, what can you um uh tell us about this and, and maybe the instrument as well. Okay,
1: um, so I have a connection to this instrument, the sarangi. Um, I've been playing it for since I moved to Toronto actually. Um, there, I, I, I have a teacher here and she's she's amazing. Um, anyway, the, the sarangi is a um, North Indian broadly speaking, um, folk instrument. Um, it's, it's, it's a bowed instrument. Um, it's, it's short. It's kind of like a box, kind of like a box that you rest on your lap. You play, you're sitting down on the ground Indian style. Um, and it's bowed underhand bow. It has three main, um, main strings. That are that are uh, made out of gut, so generally like a goat, goat's guts are made into strings. Um, so it has three strings, um, tuned at f- you know fifths, I guess, um, and you know so there's a thick bass string, then like a middle string, like a high, higher pitch string, and then it has a bank of 30 sympathetic strings that that run you know so if you if you hit a note so so the box the top the fret board is wood but then the bottom por- portion of the box is hollow and it's covered in a mm. goat skin mm. it's kind of like a banjo mm. um yeah and it's both and it's fr- is it fr- fretless it's fretless and it, and the way it's it's fingered is it's 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 not like a typical um stringed instrument where you where you stop the strings by by pressing down with with the pads of your fingers, um, on the fretboard, uh, but rather you you stop the string by touching your cuticles, of your between your nail, between your fingernail and the skin above your top mm. knuckle, um, that that
0: like a muting technique.
1: Yeah, it's 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 stopping the string um, with that cuticle, which allows you to. Um, so Indian music is is really characterized by um, the glides, uh, glissando between notes. So like in between mm-hmm. notes is really important. So 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 uh, glissando between, sliding between notes is very important, and um, that technique allows you to to slide very beautifully. I think. Um, Mm -hmm. so when you hit a note, that note in the sympathetic bank of strings should also resonate. So it just creates this kind of ethereal quality to it. It's, it's, you know, traditionally it's supposed to be like the closest sound to a um, human voice. Um, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a folk instrument. So it used to be accompanying, um, you know, dancing girls usually, um, but then, some sometime and around the turn of the century, twentieth century, um, it it sort it 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 got afforded some classical status. So it it started being played as a solo instrument. Mm. Um, and the instrument itself is this very rudimentary folk instrument. So it's not like a Stradivarius or something where you have like like you know lineages of Of sarangi makers who know who have perfected it, but rather it's just like a, you know, like the the guy who makes furniture in your village also makes these instruments. So each instrument is different. Um, Bundu, you could find we could
0: find one in like every village, kind
1: of. Kind of, um, not anymore. I had to like I found mine because there was a you know there was a sarangi collector in Toronto. A white guy who went to India a lot in the '60s and bought every sarangi that he found, and so I, I was able to, <laughs> I was able to get one from him. Um, anyway, Bundu Khan is really, really like famous um, slash infamous because you know he again there's this um, he was like he was a genius, um, and stories of him are kind of. Um, there's like folklore built up around him. He was, he was that good. Um, you know, so a lot of his playing and his virtuosity is, is said to have been enhanced by his deep use of opium, um, mm. so much so that he would you know, be so enthralled and, and raptured by playing that he would not eat for days on end um, he'd be wandering the streets playing this sarangi that he that he built himself that would that had no strings that um he would keep underneath his shirt and just finger as he was <laughs> wandering around wherever oh, he God. was you know so his yeah. his technique is you know is um really famous um and I think at when India got independence from England or Britain, Great Britain, whatever you want to call it, um, he moved to Pakistan. Bundu Khan did. Um and so he's 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 really like like a a cherished artiste of of the Pakistani people. Um mm. and I don't have much to say about the actual um, raga. I mean, I, I, I don't want to go into, like, the structure of Indian music or anything, but, like, um, yeah. North Indian music. But um, I, I, I thought this was a nice presentation. It's, it's a long presentation, so it's, it's probably from a radio program. He um, probably played on the radio. And this, this track, I think, I don't think you're going to be playing the whole thing, but it's, it's about a 25-minute track. Um, yeah, it's Bundu Khan.
0: Yeah, we'll do it we'll do an excerpt yeah um and if there's a particular section you can you can let me know okay. um but uh yeah the the only thing maybe i wanted to get into a little bit about this i mean i, I saw it broadly it's it's defined as hindustani music Classical yeah. music um so it, it i mean can you explain a little bit about like the, the do you know anything about like the practice of these sort of master musicians like from like uh, Bundu Khan, I, uh, from what I read, like from a very early age, w- was was uh, taught to play, and I think belonged to a particular like house. Mm-hmm. And, and it would seem that this kind of like form of classical music like demands a certain level of a, like discipline and almost like life dedication. Yeah. Like you're saying, it sounded like he's subsumed by this instrument. Yeah. Um, in 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 a way, you know, in Western music, we just don't have much of a pretext for this, you know? right?
1: So um yeah so i mean a lot of these hindustani musicians so hindustani relative to south indian classical music which is called carnatic music um and you'll hear the the difference between some of the tracks that we're going to play but um these musicians came from communities of musicians and um it was very like you know kind of a filial filial thing so father teaches son generally Mm -hmm. Um, and musicianship especially in the Muslim communities of North India um, gets associated with you know kind of the underbelly of society generally so like musicians would generally accompany um, dancing girls whose Mm -hmm. occupation was dancing and other stuff Um, and but with,
0: maybe this is where the opium comes maybe, in. Maybe, yeah. <laughs>
1: but um, also, these these you know communities of musicians would would become patronized by by wealthy um, landowners uh, who would have soirees at their house with musicians and dancing girls, um, becoming you know very highly esteemed. And then these musicians would be sought after. They would um, make a quite quite a good living doing this sort of thing. Um, and the dancing girls the singing singing also became part of this thing um so uh it afforded them this lifestyle that that they didn't uh once have um and it required like like intense training, you know so you know like there there's stories of you know master musicians who you know through their childhood are practicing whatever twelve hours a day you know which which is, which is nuts, you know, but, but that's all they, yeah. that's all they did. That's how they earned their keep is just through prac practicing, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, there, there's so much more to say about this, but of course.
0: Know. Yeah. This is not, you know, yeah. the, 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 the intricacies of this, but yeah. I, I am, I am happy that, you know, we're getting something like Bundukan, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's know, in, yeah. In, amongst like, you'll we'll hear a post-punk song in <laughs> Bundukan. You know, like. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and listen to an excerpt of this raga from Bundukan. Yep. So this next one is—is um, uh, so is it slow, slovenly? Mm-hmm. slovenly? Slovenly, S- uh, yeah,
1: slovenly, slovenly, yeah.
0: Is this a—is this a word yeah. that I'm just not? Yeah, slovenly,
1: with? like kind of lazy. Oh, you
3: know. okay. I always—I always,
1: yeah, I always think of it similar it to sounds sloth. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> slovenly, slovenly. Peter is the name of a um, like a German folklore, um, and. I think, I don't know if what the connection is with Edward Scissorhands, but there is some connection. Maybe that story of, of like knives on your hands is something about this. I don't know if that's the Slovenly Peter song, but the name of the band used to be Slovenly mm. Peter and then they became just slovenly,
0: yeah. Okay, the well, listeners, if that, that, take that as a challenge. <laughs> if, if you know the, uh, if you know what, what Chandun's getting at, yeah. then send me an email. Um, so this this track is called Movement. It's from the 1986 album Thinking of Empire. I'm gonna assume that the uh, Karam track of the same name is connected yes, somehow. Yes, definitely. So this is this is another band I, I am totally stumped on, which you know is not very difficult to do, but um, you know I've never heard of these guys, and and I definitely didn't realize they're a Bay Area band and an SST band. Um, again, I'm like always blown away by how massive sst's catalog is mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of gems to discover but i loved this track it's got such great guitar sounds mm-hmm. i like that hyper rhythmic kind of like thrashing gang of four mm-hmm. thing um super thin drum sounds i i generally sympathetic to it, it reminded me a little bit like mission, something like mission sure, of burma, burma totally yeah but like less a little less muscular mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know um so I think you know if you're into stuff like Wire, Television, Mission, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're Joy Division, even re- you, know, I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, definitely great melodies, hokey, brainy, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I love this. Yeah, yeah, I, it's I, great. I can't wait to to get into this and like album. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> like, I'm getting into all the albums here.
1: I mean, um, yeah, this this slovenly record was really again influ- You know, it, it really. I think mostly because not so much that like the songs were a hooky and um really drew me in but like just kind of the uh, the mood it set i think was really attractive to me and also the fact that you know like you have the these really interesting guitars juxtaposed with this kind of um deadpan um poetry reading style vocals um, yeah. What like Jonathan of. Yeah, China yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Um, I f- I found really interesting, and, and it was probably like also the reason why they perhaps didn't like sell a ton or become very successful, or people are kind of you know fall into obscurity, except for a few nerds um, who are into this stuff. Is be- is because you know the the vocals take some time to get used to, you know. I think um but mm. once you once you get past that i think i think the band is really special this this track um i don't know it's a, it, it, it's 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 my favorite track on that record uh and like you said the there's i wrote a song because i although the song itself is is not directly connected to the band i i, I took the title because it was evocative of what i wanted to you know, bring out with the with my song, but um, that record was a was a huge influence for me. Yeah, and it
0: would be strange to name a song after a a, a record you love and have it sound exactly, exactly. Like at that point, exactly. you're like kind of a exactly, cover band exactly. or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, is there anything about like the the lyrics in Thinking of Empire no, that's important? to no, you? Like,
1: no, no. 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 Actually, the band. I mean, it's it's the guitars that I that I really that I really liked. And um, Tom Watson's guitar playing is is fantastic, and he he plays with uh, Mike Watt now in Mike Watt's band, and um, yeah, they're great together. I saw them last last year; they stayed with us here, and yeah, there's oh, really nice. really that connection makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for, for Mike Watt, and
0: yeah, yeah, then, and that's sort of like very rhythmic, yeah. cl- like chunky totally, style of playing, totally, totally great well this is definitely like the most you know like (laughs) most of the most of the music you know if i go down a rabbit hole in this podcast in general it's it's stuff that's not too like underground but i feel like this one is uh this is this is a a deep one Mm -hmm. so um if i'm gonna be like competitive about (laughs) it which probably probably shouldn't be um okay awesome anything else about uh slovenly is this is this uh, your favorite record from them? Is there anything else? Um, there's you another recommend?
1: band called, um, I mean, sorry, there's another record called uh, We Shoot for the Moon that's also very good. Um, if you can find the first record, the first slovenly record, it's not on SST, it's on um, New Alliance Records, which was Mike Watts and D Boone's record label. Um, mm-hmm. They put out um, some. Seven inches and stuff. Uh, if if you can find that record, I, th- I think I saw it on Discogs. You can you, you can still pick it up. Yeah, per, it's a good one. Yeah,
2: yeah. eighty dollars <laughs> or something. No, actually not. More <laughs> like it's, twenty bucks. No. Yeah, there's just yeah.
0: there's no one. No one is going after this. <laughs> I though. don't think so. It, it, is this this is a Bay Area band? Yeah, so, but but, mean, but but like, did these guys stick out a lot like in the eight in the mid-years? You know, I, I, again,
1: it was before my time. Um, yeah. You know maybe like when they were ending i would have been aware of it and and um but i uh yeah i don't know i I mean now that i go back and look at some of the stuff they played with like all the all the big names they were like the 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 Mm go-to warm-up act in the bay area i think for a while Uh, but i i think i mean um they're not i mean although they were based in the bay area i I think the dudes themselves are from southern california
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, 80s San Francisco outside of metal, I'm not yeah. I don't have a lot of I know. I know. knowledge about what was there. I'm more the Gilman yep. 90s yep. kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. you go. And even like the really the the really bad stuff that came, yeah, <laughs> came out of that too. I'm like was more my um generationally mm-hmm. like where where I'm familiar with uh San Francisco Yeah. Pop, you know. Cool. Well, uh, okay, let's listen to movement from uh, Slovenly. uh Polvo mm-hmm. and this is Vi- Vibra Cobra from 1992's Core Crane Secret. This was Polvo's first full length and f- we finally hit a track where I'm like, okay, I know this one. Yeah. I'm in com- comfortable territory.
1: Awesome. Yeah, no no, this th- this record came out um right when I started college and um yeah, I was I was getting into a lot of that uh you know, I had never heard uh because I was so provincial, I'd never listened to you know, bands like Superchunk or um yeah, Superchunk, uh or those kind of East Eastern <laughs> lack of a better word, East like not not California bands, but like when Firehose had that first um they had their first major label EP called Live Totem Pole EP. Um, and they do a super chunk cover and that was the first time I'd heard super chunk was was a cover and then I and, and then I kind of it took me to super chunk and then I started checking out all the all the records on their label and I got I got the polvo record and man it was just it was next level for me so yeah. um, and this this track I I, I I don't know. The, there's something about the um, kind of the jangly rocket uh, machine gun attack of some of the guitar sounds that I really, really liked. Um, and not so much on this track, but like they also have like this flirting with um, flirting with like ethnic again lack of a qu- quotes instruments. And, mm-hmm. and and scales that I that I thought was really interesting, um, and
0: yeah, maybe they had a copy of that. What's that like scale Bible book? Oh yeah, I know what you're talking the about. The grimoire. Yeah, 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 it, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't know what it was about them, but but like everything, just the the way those guitars spoke to each other, I I I I really appreciated, um, and. I always thought, man, if I were ever in a band like a guitar band, I would want to have like a second guitar or a, another guitar player to 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 finish my sentences like that, you know mm-hmm. which which I think Polvo does very well, although I don't know, like having seen them a couple of times, I don't know if that's exactly what they're doing, like, like they're both kind of seem to be doing their own thing, but um but I, I, I in my mind i imagine them being kind of this very kind of symbiotic like interplay of guitars yeah, one yeah, yeah one mind one mind yeah. controlling the guitars yeah yeah
0: yeah this is like you know this track in particular this is very textured guitar playing yeah. lots of like cool effects and tricks mm-hmm. and like sounds in their bag right um but like with this focus on you know they're driving the song forward always right um, I really enjoy bands like Palvo that seem like, you know, they don't want to play chords or right. something.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> well, well, you know, it, it comes out of that, like, Sonic Youth kind of style. Yeah. And and by this time, which was, like, I don't know, what did you say, 1991, 1992? So- yeah, Sonic Youth yeah. had already yeah. become, like, a major label band. So, like, mm. I I I didn't really follow them that much. Um, but then this band, I was, like, they're, they're kind of doing something a little bit more extra more special and they didn't have all the kind of accoutrement of of sonic youth you know all the posturing and stuff they just seemed like kind of normal jock type guys (laughs) playing guitars you know which kind of appealed to me you know
0: yeah i mean you would you would think superficially that a band like Paul Vogue compared to sonic youth is like far more obtuse and discordant yeah. and this is the reason why they're not you know on on like a level of sonic youth but this song has a chorus yeah yeah totally, totally that, that could have, that could be off a dinosaur totally, album. Totally, or something. yeah um so in some ways like yeah i know what you're saying about sonic youth and, and a little bit of that posturing yeah. and kind of like noise freak out for like 17 minutes right kind right, of thing, right where it's like um, you're not, you're not really getting that from a lot of, uh, Polvo stuff. I mean, these are, these are pretty compact songs, right. I would say most, most of the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, so this is something that, that really informs, you would say some of Karam's. Totally. Adventure. Totally.
1: So, so yeah. when I started, when I started thinking about what, what I want my band, my fake band to be, I want it to be Polvo meets <laughs> Pell you know? Oh yeah. Um I wanted that but but like I'm just not a guitar player so I I'm, I'm I'm not and and I don't know much about effects and stuff. So that and and I, it kind of you know now it's kind of interesting but like at at some at some point it just kind of gets boring for me. I'm much more into the the riff. Um mm. and so I I didn't necessarily achieve that that polvo pell-mell like realization combo that i wanted to do but um it was definitely like like in the back of my head
0: yeah you know I, yeah it's it, it's it's really cool to to go through these songs yeah. and to have listened to the record a bunch of times and then go and listen to these playlists and then go back and listen to it afterwards yeah. i mean your mind can play some tricks on you and, and and whatnot in terms of like what you want to read into mm-hmm. but um yeah this is uh this is great polvo awesome band um Definitely recommend what what would you recommend them for fans of like Unwound, oh yeah, right?
1: uh, um Sonic Youth, Unwound. Mm-hmm. Um, um I mean there's some obscure bands that sound like them. I don't know if it if, if it matters. Pitch Blend. Um
0: obscure is, is good as is yeah. good on this podcast. Yeah. yeah.
1: Pitch Blend is another band that that, that that were around at that time that had a effect on me. Again, doing strange strange guitar weavings you know I think also a lot of these bands didn't didn't take themselves too seriously which, which is what I I mean that's kind of what I gathered I mean of course there were serious bands they were doing this for a living at some point but like the songs are they all kind of have some sort of lightheartedness about them or they have some um
0: you don't get that from Sonic Youth I don't get
1: that from Youth Sonic Stone. no no, no, <laughs> at all. no not at all not at all like like they're not laughing all the time which which uh, some of the stuff like you know like these guys are just having fun so yeah
0: yeah yeah it it seems that way with with bands like polvo and and meat puppets uh you know absolutely and then there's some bands like the next one it seems like they're making fun (laughs) all right so um let's let's listen to vibra cobra from polvo tells me this is a big one sun city girls this is uh, space prophet Dogon from 1990s torch of the mystics album yeah. of any band I, I mean i'm like 10 11 episodes into this podcast and of any band the band that's come up the most is sun city girls yeah so this is just like the spirit the spirit band of this podcast um so why are why are these guys imp- important to you i
1: mean it's, um, it's 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 seems kind of i mean for me it's it seems only obvious that 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 they're a a, a landmark for me um, both kind of musically but also this um, flirting or you know with with them it's kind of like an obsession with with you know eastern culture um, you know i've I haven't thought about this too much about like how much I agree with some of their, you know, practices or, you know, the label putting out, I think it's all great. Some people have a problem with it, but, um, a lot of people, (laughs) yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I've, I don't know. I think, I I think they're doing something very, very interesting, something, um, different, something very challenging, something that, that, I think, really takes people by surprise, shocks them. And, and, and they've been doing it, or they had been doing it for such a long, long time. They have, like, this long-established cred, you know, and they're fantastic musicians, you know. Rick Bishop is a fantastic guitar player. Um, and I don't know, this this album was, like, was was one of those... The CD, I had it on CD, was, was really... Um, big for me um,
0: and I got to see this album was recorded in a city called Tempe, Tempe which yeah. is where I, li- where oh, I okay. live where I so it's there you go yeah, small city yeah. too in Phoenix so it's recorded within a 7-8 mm-hmm. mile radius of where I am right yep.
1: now yep they have a um, <laughs> like like um, Alice Cooper they have a uh, Michigan to Arizona connection I think I think I think the Bishop brothers are originally from Michigan but then they moved to Arizona mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. Part Lebanese. I think. Yep. Their, their yep. Right, yep. Was, Lebanese. Right. Yeah. Um, they grew up. So they grew up with some of this yep, music. yep Exactly.
1: You know, so, so like in that sense, I feel like they, they, they're not appropriating or they're not, you know, like it's, if, if their grandfather is, is exposing them to Middle Eastern culture, um, Middle Eastern music and stuff, I, I, th- I think it's fair game for them to fuck with that, you know? Um, I think so, yeah too.
0: so uh, and that's the thing that they're most I feel like the the culture that they're most accused of yeah. like going in, but like yeah li- the, you're not listening to the whole sentence. Yeah yeah Ghost yeah catalog. yeah. Like, yeah. You, I mean they're, like they're touch they're touching all over they're the They're touching
1: place. all over the place. And you know you know um Helen Bishop I think lives in Cairo. You know mm-hmm. I, I I think he's he's you know he's there. You know I I think this yeah. is like um I don't think it's a facade um but again there is like this lightheartedness and this kind of jovial aspect to it that i really really enjoy and you know
0: respect um and what about this song
1: this song i mean the 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 riff it's 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 the riff um that scale that i I just really like i like it's simple it's um it is uh fun to play it's fun to play it's like it's heavy you know and and the fact that he's there there, you know he he does this a lot this kind of um fake you know gibberish language that he sings in um it's 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 beautiful i love it It, it's 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 heavy and light at the same time you know it's the other day, I, I was listening to it—not uh, the other day, a couple weeks ago—and and my older son, is seven. He's like, "What's he saying?" I'm like he's, like, "He's saying whatever you want him to be saying." It's it's mm-hmm. it's it's great. I, I love it.
0: Yeah, and it's it's Alan that's really the vocalist in yeah, this yeah. band, right? Yeah. I, I've always found it's just it's it's like I don't know if "brave" is the right word, but it's like the one I could think—it's what's coming to mind—like to sing like that. Yeah. Because on one hand, you might think he's just the only thing he's trying to do is channel some arabic or southeast Asian yeah 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 or like kind of like uh folk mm-hmm. vocalized vocal style and that's like all he's trying mm-hmm. to do and I, i just i just don't think that's that's the that's the total product i think that he's probably gaining something from from listening to those types of that type of like folk music and uh, you know, archival yep, totally. music and, and bring it, bring it into what the Sun City Girls were, were trying to do. Right. So, I, I don't know. I've always, I've always just found. I think a lot of people find the, the, that vocal style jarring mm-hmm. or off putting. Off putting,
1: totally. Again, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, if it if it were you know sugar coated or or more straightforward, maybe they would have become a you know a huge indie rock sensation but you know it's it's
0: it's um <laughs> or if alan didn't have this insane range yeah, yeah, and all these different yeah. uh, uh, you know this ability to to speak in like all these different tongues yeah, like yeah. you know so to speak like it'd be one thing if the talent wasn't there right but it's under it's it's absolutely undeniable it's like it's like beautifully strange mm-hmm, you know
1: mm-hmm. yeah everything just just fits so well with especially in this track too the the drums you know are, are, are so good they 're they're, they're, they're sparse they're kind of have this jazz sensibility to them you know it's not like a straightforward type of rock rhythm or anything it's just it's, 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 it, it, it weaves in and out um, and, and builds up to these to these sections it's it's, it's really really wonderful
0: yeah. yeah and I think you know this band is kind of the first one for me where I started to notice like they have a lot of like kind of mantras Mm -hmm. in their music and that i really love this in the context of like let's say a a rock band um but it also lets you go and explore like what the the originations of this kind of improvisational and sort of communal kind of like way of the way of singing and And living i don't know yeah yeah yeah. and now you listen now it's it's in a lot of underground music yeah Especially like heavier sort of stuff, especially you know. Um, anything else on Sun City Girls? I mean, it's it's fair to say this is like the most, in my opinion, the most uncategorizable, uncategorizable yeah, band. Yeah. Like you can you can fathom. Yeah.
1: No. Nothing else to say. They're all. No, it's a great, great song. That that record is huge for me, and Rick Bishop is amazing guitar player, which which I didn't really realize until after sun city girls when i listened to a lot of his you know solo stuff it's like wow this guy's really really has crazy chops and i've you know he came to toronto a couple times since i've been living here and you know talked to him a lot he's, he's really really sweet person personality too so
0: and and yeah yeah i've, I've met alan a couple yeah. times really also really sweet yeah man. yeah like these guys their their reputations might not reputations. The the perception I think is sometimes otherwise. Yeah, just because they're confrontational when they would.
1: Perform. Right. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So so it's like this, you know, rock performance art melange that is really. I don't I don't know if bands do that sort of thing anymore or if, or or if that's no, you know.
0: Not yeah. at all. I mean, go if, if you're unfamiliar with this band or even if you're familiar, go on YouTube. You can find at least a, a few of some of these live videos of them yeah. like especially the ones where they're not just playing the, the yeah hits. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you will be entertained for like four or five I fucking know, hours I trust know, me and it will make you like uh there's a reason this is like if this is band is one that people like it's not it's very often to find that this is their favorite thing mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know all right so let's let's uh, listen to sun city girls space prophet doggone <laughs> Next one, maybe may, it might be <clears throat> best for you to for you to introduce this.
1: Just call him Chodaya yeah,
0: because yeah. yeah, it's a first name. Yeah, it's so T. Ch- T. Chaudhaya. Yeah, so so but, so
1: the T is uh, uh, where he's from. Okay, mm. so in, in South Indian naming conventions, your first two initials are your where you're from, then your father's name, and then your name. I don't know why his father's name isn't there, but um, his his name was Chaudhaya. interesting South Indian, um, Carnatic, classical violinist. Um, I picked this track just because you know he's a interesting character, interesting sound. Chaudhaya is 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 known not only for his you know virtuosic playing, but also for having invented this violin seven string violin um that was uh you know in the whatever 40s and 50s was uh very unconventional unorthodox and really um you know controversial um the violin in Indian music is is you know, it's you'd be thinking, why, You know, it's it's I mean, what's up with the violin? Um, but it, it was introduced probably fairly early in early, whatever, 16th, 17th century when Europeans first came to India for raping and pillaging or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it, it, doing what they do Yeah, best. It, it really um, took hold in South Indian music, and it's it's played sitting on sitting Indian style on the ground. With the kind of the, the base of the violin, with the chin rest uh, at your collarbone, and then the scroll of the violin um, rests at, in the arch of your foot of your oh, wow. of your whatever your right foot, and so a totally different it's a totally to it's a totally different positioning, and um, you know the fingering is again like a traditional violin it's not played with your fingernails like the sarangi but but um there's a lot of this of this um vibrato for lack of a better word i don't know the proper musical term uh, term but like this this um i know the word in hindi but i'm not so um this back and forth uh, playing the notes slightly above and slightly below the note that you're playing um so that that position i feel like allows for the wrist to really move freely that way which is kind of characteristic of of Carnatic music is this kind of highly um undulating sound
0: um and you're differentiating this from the sarangi yeah, sarangi, right? gi, like yeah. the the or sarangi's yeah. Which you were talking about with like the way the way players um, are, are, are the rhythm, of right, it.
1: right. So I, I, I mean, so the violin has no sympathetic strings, right? So it it sounds like a violin, um, but it's it's the the technique of of this oscillating um, wrist that, that really characterizes it, makes it different from from how you would play the sarangi um, or or any Hindustani Sound, so the the reason why I picked this track was because it, it's um, Chodaya who is a Carnatic violinist playing a Hindustani rag. So this uh, Jinjoti is how you pronounce it is a um, light, like a kind of a happy sounding um, North Indian or or Hindustani rag. It's it's uncharacteristic for a South Indian to be playing this particular mm-hmm. type of rock. So, so, I, so I chose, I thought it was kind of neat to have this kind of cultural exchange even within the, the subcontinent, um, kind of like how I'm this Indian American dude playing rock music like Eddie Van Halen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's how I that's we can go back and that's how I can introduce <laughs> you, you know.
1: The Eddie Van Halen of <laughs> Indo-American rock, you know. <laughs> Van Halen of Indo-American uh meets Palvo. Yeah. Rock. Totally.
0: You'll be the That'll only, be the one, only
1: one. Got the market <laughs> cornered.
0: <laughs> it's, it's a, this is a market. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's going to yield know.
1: high yields so for the Scarborough <laughs> Food Food Bank. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Th- th- this, uh, thanks for breaking all yeah. that down. I mean, this obviously stuff I have no, I have yeah. <laughs> no context okay. for. Okay. I just know that it's beautiful. I just know that it's beautiful, and there's a lot of feeling in the playing. And um, you know, you mentioned that uh, you know this stuff that, that stems from uh, Northern India, this Carnatic classical tradition. Th- would you say it's po- it's possible it has more like maybe Persian and Islamic? Oh, definitely. influence definitely. in the music, most
1: definitely. Yeah. Most mm-hmm. definitely Persian. Um, some even, f- and and you know, some even further. You know, like there is a uh, raga in North Indian Hindustani music called uh, Yemen, which literally means Yemen. Um, yeah. So I'm sure some of the scales have, have traveled.
0: And Yemen is a, one of the old, right oldest yeah. sort of civilization societies yeah. that we, we can track. Yeah. Right? Cool. All right, well let's uh, let's listen to uh Shodia uh <laughs> This one is another one that I have uh, some familiarity with. This is uh, a duo. Seventy-five dollar bill is their name. This track is called "I'm Not Trying to Wake Up." It is off of 2016 record called "Wood Metal Plastic Pattern Rhythm Rock." Great title. Uh, So I actually covered seventy-five dollar bill in a previous episode I did about like you know ecstatic music. Mm -hmm. Yep, I heard Um, that one. It's specifically kind of the more like modern kind of purveyors mm-hmm. of this type of really locked in groove forward kind of music that's designed to transfix you and and these two players they're so fucking locked in it's it's un it's it's unbelievable so good it's it sounds like pretty complex rhythms, but it, there's a steadiness mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. them, so you're never lost in some kind of wild time signature. You can nod your head continuously to this whole song yep. and never get off beat. Um, but uh, what they're doing in between, you know, the, that sort of rhythm is just incredible, um, and not just from like a rhythmic standpoint either. Although that's that's a big part of the focus. They they throw throw all these like atmospheric, like sparse, like riffs mm-hmm. and hits in that mm-hmm. are really quick. They just like go in, go out. Um, I don't know. It's just it's just evident when you listen to these guys that you're listening to two people. Who are playing completely freely um and and i would say the the riffs kind of give me like a, a Saharan like desert mm-hmm. blues kind of vibe with hand percussion mm-hmm. too um yeah why, why is uh why is this track important again the riffs important?
1: the riffs are really um this record was was i mean it's i don't i don't buy much music like i mean i do buy music who am i kidding but like uh, like modern Like bands, it's very it's you're you're in the '78. Yeah, well, yeah, that and like also like I haven't really been. I you know it's 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 really hard to navigate things. You know, trying to find new music. You know, there aren't very like like magazines that I would go to. There's no like, whatever, you know, Maximum Rock and Roll or you know, Spin magazine or something where I could see a you know read about a band. So it's it's I mean. I, sh- I should, I'm, you know, there's tons of resources on the internet, but I just don't have the time to do that anymore. So right. when I hear about a band, it's usually like distilled many times. And so it's, 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 it's rest assured that it's going to be good. And $75 bill was, happens to be one of, one of those bands. And, um, you know, when I, when I picked up this record, I, the, you know, ju- just the, the way it's recorded too, just really forward, there's nothing kind of buried, you know. Um, the, the drums, which is that, that box, I, I, don't, I forget what it's called, um, that kind of plywood box that you sit on and play. I don't know, do you know the name of that thing?
0: No, I don't. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm sure you can look it up. I'll, I'll, I'll look yeah. it up real quick, yeah. But anyway, like the, the mix of um, the guitars and the, and the percussion is so so forward. Um, and and equal, I feel like um, so neither neither instrument is 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 really you know in front, which I which I really liked. Um, and then the riff, like just everything that you said, introducing this, it's like a, it's hypnotic, it's groovy, it has this um, kind of African sound, you know those African scales, um, mm-hmm. and then in talking with Che um you know he's he he lived i mean he he went to Mauritania and lived there to study guitar so it's it's, it's plainly obvious on a on a track like this um mm-hmm. yeah it's i i i feel sort of a kinship to it you know um and so I'm really happy that he's going to be doing a 7 inch that I can put out um next year um yeah, and it, it's it, it, it's it's good stuff. I love it, the, and and the new record that they put out is good. I, I, I like this one a little bit better because it's in, in, in terms of the length, I, 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 f- I feel it works better. Although the new record has some has some you know blazing riffs on it too, but this one just a, oh. this one just kind of gels as a as a cohesive you know record, and this track especially stands out.
0: Right. Yeah. So the the second member of this band is Rick, Rick Brown. Brown. So what I'm seeing in terms of the percussion stuff is plywood. plywood <laughs> that's, that's, that's I, think, I think I think it
1: has like a like a special name in like like mm. Latin American um, mm-hmm. wood box that you sit on percussion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, and it see, also says hand, hand and foot. Percussion. It's called
1: a cajon. Oh, cajon cajon
0: oh, okay. and this is mostly latin like latin uh peru music, jazz, peru kind of thing.
1: oh yeah cool. cajon not cajon.
0: yeah wa- watch i encourage everyone watch watch live videos yeah
1: they're great and 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 jay che, uh, che plays hackstrom guitars which i play too he plays um this twelve string hackstrom guitar um that i've play. i, uh, I also it's like
0: a tonal of, no, like quarter? no tonal, he only. he
1: he has um, he has a Um, he has refretted his guitars or one of his guitars to just intonation, which is different, different from the typical kind of 12 tone, um, scale of Western organization of notes. Um, so it's, 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 you know, it's cool. It's different. It's, it's, it's gutsy to pull off all the frets off your guitar, off your 50 year old guitar and, and, and refret it, um but he's he's done it.
0: Yeah, because every time you're picking up that instrument, you're, that's what... (laughs) I know, I know. You're like, I just
1: want want to play like fucking, (laughs) game, you know, Neil Young or something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Have you you ever seen them live? I've not seen them live, no. friendly with them? I'm friendly
1: with them um, because we have uh, friends in common, lots of friends in common, um, through like the improvised music scene. So, so I'm friendly with them, and you know, I've I email a lot with Che lately, and he's super friendly, dude. We have all nice. the same kind of background.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I don't like. I did an episode about this. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if some of the bands I covered are in like you know cahoots with yeah, one another yeah, or for whatever. Sure. But it's like you know, jo- I think you know, magazines like The Wire yeah. have they've picked up on stuff like this, yeah, yeah, Joshua Abrams. Yeah, yeah. A lot of these like weird yeah. small yeah. music festivals yeah. where you're like, how is more than like 50 people going I know. to this festival? I know. Like it's, I don't know. It's, there's, there's something yeah. to it. I think, you know, it's not being commodified. It's, I think it's just genuine love and right. interest in this music that sort of falls on a lot of music that's embedded in ritual or right. culture, uh, you know, like that kind of thing. Speaking
1: of Josh Abrams, I, I was toying with whether or not to put, um, a track by the band Town and Country, on this list. Now I, I don't know if you know Town and Country. They were old, like um, late '90s, early 2000s. No, I don't know. Uh, Chicago. Uh, you should check them out. They're they're fantastic for just this very reason. Uh, um, I mean, I think Josh a- Abrams plays in that band, but it's all acoustic. Um, it's a double bass, harmonium, guitar. And then various percussions, um, and uh, it's this hypnotic, kind of minimalist compositions, like you know, ten fifteen minute long, long long, you know, like slow progressions of these inter interwoven instruments and these riffs that just develop in a really beautiful way. Um, but I ended up putting a seventy five dollar bill on here instead, but it's okay. Check yeah. them out though, Town and Country.
0: Town uh, and Country, okay, awesome. Another another thing that you know, the pandemic, like people lamenting live music, but it's like, there 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 are certain groups that just thrive in a live setting, and a, and I think groups like you know Joshua Abrams' band and Seventy Five Dollar Bill. I mean, there there's a reason these guys made a like are making a yeah. living, or yeah, you know, I don't want to presume, yeah. but um, that are getting notoriety. In yeah. Terms. In a live yeah. setting, yeah.
1: I days. should have gone to this the. Where I almost went to that. Um, there was a Josh Abrams seventy-five dollar bill, seventy-five dollar bill uh, double bill record release party last last year. I guess when when the newest records came. In Toronto, no, in uh, New York. I was gonna fly down uh, for that, but I didn't.
0: Six hour show yeah. probably. Yeah, would have been <laughs> worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, it would have been what, one of your lot probably last. Yeah, I know your most recent musical experience before everything i actually did go i flew down
1: to philadelphia to see my friend and we went to see bonnie prince billy play like and like the next day everything was closed it it was it was pretty risky for me to go down there (laughs) like this was like late march mid-march but um anyway
0: yeah i went to i went to a show around that time too and i was like (laughs) i don't know if we should be here but my country's still in a total state of denial That's true it's Still you know. Know. <laughs> yeah. um yeah. Well, okay. Let's uh let's listen to this seventy-five dollar bill track and the track is I'm not trying to wake up. <laughs> Nearing the end, we've got two more here. This one, uh, another SST band. We've got Lungfish. Not an SST band.
3: Oh, no. they're not Discord. Oh, okay. Discord. That band. Discord. Discord.
0: <laughs> Discord. That's right. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, are they DC? Yeah, yeah. DC band. Oh, Baltimore. Okay. Baltimore. The- Baltimore. Yeah. Well, yeah. I got. I got nothing on uh-huh. Lungfish today. So the track is called Fearfully and Wonderfully. This is from that album Love Is Love from 2003. A, a band I'm familiar with couple of the records um i don't i i think i kind of fell off with them so i don't know their later output at yeah
1: all. i mean um they're like you i wasn't i mean i was i would see that they were playing around often but i never saw them um and i never really gave it i they just weren't on my radar when i was in that you know when i was in college in in the 90s i did just never really I, you know, I just didn't give them a chance. But then, about ten or fifteen years ago, I, I, I started listening to them. I thought, wow, this is really—they're doing something very interesting. Um, part, partly because the guitar player mostly only plays one riff throughout yeah. the entire song, and, and and they've have multiple albums like this, which I which I think is a really really interesting way to approach rock music um i don't know how i you know it it kind of gives a lot of space to the singer who i know is um kind of this ecstatic shaman like Mm -hmm. figure personality um i I can't tell if it's yeah i I can't tell if it's a if it's cultivated or, or, or or if this is his his true personality uh but you know kind of like in the same way as like alan bishop um it you know is in sun, in sun city girls i i feel like dan higgs is the is a similar um personality in lungfish this this particular song i just love the riff it has it has and the lyrics have this kind of open religious quality to it that that appeals to me it it it's um you can ascribe any kind of religious or philosophical meaning to what he's talking about, um, which I which I really enjoy. And there's something, kind of, um, what's the word I want to use, like urgent about it. You know that I that I like about this riff. Um, yeah, it's a, it's simple. That's why I like it.
0: I think uh I think you're right about Lungfish guitar player yeah. playing a single yeah. riff for the whole yeah, song. Yeah. This is this is definitely a, a commonality yeah. in how Lungfish approaches their their stuff. The the record I'm familiar with is uh, Rainbows from Adams which is um you know, I mean a little bit more abstract than this this is kind of like, you know, a driving and, and Rocky yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. um which they have they had that element but you know, you, you I think you're right like i have it in my notes like daniel higgs sort of this like punk rock shaman Mm -hmm, type mm -hmm. figure um and uh what i would i one of my favorite songs ever is a song called creation story Mm -hmm. from lungfish uh, off that same album rainbows from adams and it's it's a single the instrumental is a single guitar line all the way through and the it's daniel you know essentially reciting poetry um, over it and the the the, the poetry is just it's so uh jaw dropping and utterly like fascinating and and really evocative and i think their their influence i think it really influenced bands like at the drive in and mm-hmm. stuff where it's like this really um the 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 front man really like uh uh being a big part a big personality right, right. of the of the band but once you kind of peel that layer away and, and kind of like repeat these tracks and and get to the rest of the music, it's it's just this very circular, like uh, really really interesting um, a, a approach to like pop rock. That's right. what it seems like to me. So, there's another uh, project Daniel Higgs does, and I think he does a lot of stuff outside of Lungfish too. Um, he did a record um, with a band called the Skull Defects. Oh that yeah, that
1: We're, are they Swedish or something like that? Or yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, somewhere in Scandinavia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is it good? It's so really? good. I mean it's the the record's called Pure Amid and Skull Defects are kinda of like a noise, yeah. noise yeah, rock, yeah. like really clangy kind of sounding band. Really cool, really like unhinged kind of band. Um but they invited Daniel Higgs on for a record and I'm just like, whew, like this it's just one of those pairings that's just it's so perfect. Um so I, I would definitely recommend the Skull Defects, Daniel Higgs record. It's like the coolest thing I've seen him do since since he kinda, um, you know, le- uh, since Lungfish kind of dissolved and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, anything else on Lungfish?
1: No. I mean, it's, it's it's the riff, the whole feel of that song, it just it just really, there is a, you know, I, one of the tracks on the last Carum tape, I really wanted it to sound like a Lungfish riff. And so that's why I, 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 I picked this one.
0: Yeah. The, the, riffs, the riffs are the name of the game here, people, if you haven't realized <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's listen to uh, Fearfully and Wonderfully by Lungfish. Have reached the final track. This is Vina Shanmuga Vadivu. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. What, uh, what? What can you? Uh, and what's the? What's the title? Uh, like?
1: Ragamalika. So Ragamalika means a garland of ragas. So it's a mixture of a bunch of different mm-hmm. ragas. So it moves from one raga to. So a raga is kind of like a organization of notes, a particular organization of notes. Not necessarily a scale, but like a a a scale structure that that the musician um, sticks to. And so this is a many different ragas kind of strung together. Um, is this a, a sitar? No, this, is, this? is a veena. So a so vena. Okay, um, that's So instrument. so this it's another interesting thing. So in South India traditionally um uh instrumentalists they would their their like first Initial or their first name would would often be the name of their instrument. So you have a guy named mm. flute Mahalingam who played the flute, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know Or a violin Chodaya. It's like which Chaudhaya. Oh violin Chaudhaya is the one who's playing. So oh, yeah. it's the guy who's playing violin So, anyway, so she's Veena Shanmugavarivu. She's um, she, You know, she she's not well-known at all, but, but she's most probably most well-known because her daughter was a really really famous um, Carnatic singer named M S Subbulakshmi, who was probably you know like the Aretha Franklin of South India for most of the 20th century. You know she was like a, you know extremely popular um, singer, um, and her 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 mother was uh, Veena Shanmugavati. so 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 she played the Veena. Veena is a is a String instruments, plucked. Uh, it's South Indian instrument, al- although there is a North Indian version of it. Um, you sit on the ground. You you have like little picks, like little plectora attached to your fingers to pluck the strings. Um, it's it's fretted. Uh, there's a lot of like bending, bending of strings. Um, you know, it's if you see like pictures of the. Indian goddess Saraswati. She's often depicted playing a veena. She's the goddess of music. So um, this instrument's very special. Um, I like the sound of it. Uh, I wanted to to give you a, a a like a real like truly South Indian sound. Different from Chaudhaya, which is like kind of a bizarre sound because of his instrument and also because he's playing a North Indian uh, raga. But this this is like pure, pure deep in the jungle sound. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's from the yeah. south. Yeah, and it's interesting what you're saying about Vina. You know, I mistook that as as, as the artist's name. Yeah. It's like the same thing with wala, right? Because I have a friend. wala. is Indian like a professional
1: and... yeah, you add that yeah, oh, yeah. Right. But that that's a North so you Indian. Have like yeah. a,
0: mm-hmm. So you could have like a, a ganja You could have a ganja walla, right? you like, can have
1: chai wala, have... right. right? Um yeah. yeah, but you know, Veena is also a name. My sister's name Veena too, but it but it oh, just okay. so happens that uh it's also like the name of the instrument that people would call themselves. You know. It's like mm-hmm. if I were calling myself Guitar Chandon or something. <laughs> 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 Actually, Lauren Mazacane Connors. I, I don't know if you know um, the guitarist Lauren Lauren Mazacane Connors. Check him out. He's a fantastic guitar player, um, solo guitar player. He had a pseudonym that he went by for a long time called Guitar Roberts. <laughs>
0: So, is it like framed framed in what we're talking i don't know about? if that was uh
1: intent but you know it's kind of similar you
0: know yeah it's very like uh, uh like working class way of saying like what you totally straightforward to like, the point
2: right yeah it's like that, joe the plumber you,
0: know, you, meet, you meet someone you're like first question you ask him what do you yeah. do you know yeah. like like as if, as if that's the most important yeah. like totalizing totally thing. cool well let's uh let's listen to this this track this is uh Raga Malika from Vina Shanmuga Varivu. Unden. we've uh, arrived at the conclusion here um i want to thank you so much for for your time and this opportunity to chat and pick your brain about music and and, and um where can people pick up the record Do you know what what formats are available is there anything else you want to plug um, that's upcoming?
1: the record there are it's like 15 copies left of the record so if you want to pick it up you can Write to Or go to Karim Board, So C-A-R-R-O-M-B-O-A-R-D Dot um oh, And there You can You can purchase it You can always Look me up On the internet um, Chandan C-H-A-N-D-A-N-N At gmail.com If you just want to buy it from me I can throw in some other shit too um, old seven inches from old punk bands that I was in, <laughs> um, yeah. and my the the label that I've started, Branch Dravidian, which is a um, play on Branch Davidians, the death mm-hmm. cult, Christian death cult, David Koresh, but Dravidians are it's the name of the language group of South South Indian languages, Branch Dravidian. Um, we're, I, I on. Not we. I'm putting out a seven-inch next year with Che Chen from 75 dollars Bill and Yasi Pereira, who's another uh, musician in the Bay Area, um, and there should be another Carom seven-inch too, um, which I'll be working with on with some different people this time, um, playing the instruments. A different different musicians. musicians. Yeah. Cool. Than my Michigan crew.
0: Um, are the tapes still? Oh there? yeah, I have and
1: tapes. So uh, I have tapes. I have about ten tapes left of the newest one. The first one, I don't have any
0: tapes of that, unfortunately. Gotcha. Yeah. And is, I don't think we touched on this. Is, there, is playing live even like a consideration? I've thought, about, even it. Even I've thought even... about
1: it. I've thought about it. But you know, I, it's 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 hard for me. I I I have a I have two kids and you're busy, and yeah. I'm a teacher and stuff. So it's kind of. Kind of a pain. But um I've I've thought about it in summertime. Um now that my kids are a little older, um the dudes in Michigan have also talked about it because 'cause they're in bands that tour sometimes. And so I've thought about going along and having Karam be the warm up act. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe there won't be shows anymore. Be, be all live streams. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's like there's not coming back anytime soon. It's horrible that that kind of thing is the first thing to go and the last thing to come totally. back. You know what I mean?
1: I watched. I I actually watched a live stream the other day. It was it, it was pretty interesting how they did it, but it was Mike Watt's new thing, um, and he was in California, and the guitar player was in Tennessee, and 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 they somehow oh, like wow. te- technology. Maybe internet's gotten super fast. I don't know. Like how the timing was was perfect. Like I, I don't get it, but.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm imagining they're rehearsing that yeah, way too, yeah. right? So, so that it's just kind of about recreating something. Yeah. Huh. yeah, if Mike. If you know, I was gonna say if Mike White can do it, yeah. but you know, I mean that dude is ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah. that <laughs> actually doesn't require <reply. laughs> Cool. Well, uh, you know, again, thanks so much for. Your thanks time for talking to for... me, dude. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was fun. It was fun to go down this this uh, this little yeah. rabbit hole. We're gonna go out on a carom a track they there a particular one uh, you'd like the listeners to hear
1: uh, An
0: Elamite's Lament Alright we'll, uh, we'll go out on An Elamite's Lament that is going to do it for us uh, thanks again for listening to the Sonic Cloth Podcast uh, if you could leave us a rating review if you're digging this then um, that would be great Otherwise, uh, you know, we're going to sign off, keep digging deep. Uh, there's lots of rabbit holes out there, and pick up that Karam record. There's only a, a few copies left. All right. Thanks again, Chandon. No
1: problem.